Um, oh, this is cool. In the middle of the page, God is the author and perfecter of our faith. God is the author and perfecter of our faith. So like any author, God starts with the end in mind, and then he, God, perfects us with this end and purpose. So can you hear that? God, the author and the perfecter of our faith, once again, know what faith is. So like any author, God starts with the end in mind, and then he, God, perfects us with the end purpose in mind. He's building his church with the end goal in mind. Bird's eye view. On the back, do you long to see from an eternal perspective? Why? Because God is building the church here in an alignment to the end. Perfect. Oh, Matthew 5. Be perfect like my heavenly Father is perfect. That's impossible to be perfect. No, it's not. Otherwise, he wouldn't say Be perfect like my heavenly father is perfect because God is not a liar. So if I say it's not, I'm the liar. Well, no liars enter the kingdom of God. So there's a problem again. So God is building, perfecting us in an alignment because he's the author and he writes the end from the beginning. So do you know the end? Do you have a revealed position because that's why he's building you? See, it's very hard. If you don't know why, then it's very hard to enter into the process. That's why you have to know the why he builds his church. Why? Because he's building you for a marriage in eternity, which is now, because you can live as the bride now. Because why? Because he's transforming. He's making you perfect. Do you know what the word means? Mature. It's possible because he says it is. So what? The author writes the end. He's building you in accordance to the end. You need to know the end. It's in the book. I've taught you tonight. The apostle is sent. The prophet is sent to proclaim more than just the end, but the end. Do you want more? We got going for two hours. <laughs> the ladies at the front are hungry. How about this one? Ephesians two ten. We are his workmanship. We are his workmanship being made for good works that are already prepared. So we are his workmanship. We are the process. We are the clay, aren't we? He is the potter. Who's the clay? We are. So we're his workmanship. He's working his life in us. 
What for? So as he works his work in you, there are works, spirit-led works, that he wants you to accomplish by faith. Isn't that the fine linen garment are the righteous acts of the saints that I read in Revelation? See, it all fits together. It's one big story scattered throughout the entire book to grab your attention as you read the whole book. Not just the bits you like or the bits that I like, but the bits that I don't understand and I'm going to ask him to reveal what I don't understand. And I'm going to walk with others in discipleship and ask them what I don't understand and hope that they've got revelation and can help me come into what I was called for. Powerful. It's the joy set before him that Jesus endured the cross. (laughs) What do you think he was looking at? For the joy set before him, he went through. He saw the end and went, you're worth it. If you were the only one, you'd be worth it. I want a whole world saved. And so for the joy set before him, he went through And yet he went through, guys, as a man. Some of us need to hear that. He went through the cross as a man to show you and I what's fully possible when a man is surrendered and empowered by the living word himself. He makes all things possible. And we've justified that away and said, yeah, but he was Jesus and I'm not, so I can't. It's a lie. For you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. And Paul said, I strive according to the power that works within me. All things are fully possible and the invitation has gone out. So in the notes on page 6, I just asked some questions at the top of your notes. What is God's story really about? Oh, you want those bits? Yeah, sorry. Okay. Um, Just come down to the bottom of page 5. I've sort of, sorry, I I have preached it. So I just, (laughs) uh, the last line, Jesus and the Holy Spirit were sent by God. To lead God's people into the whole purposes of God. Jesus and the Holy Spirit were sent by God to lead God's people into the whole purposes of God, the entire purpose. So the questions I ask is, what is God's story really about? Where does God's story finish up? What is God's end conclusion? Because he is perfecting the church into it. The church needs to come to know God's conclusion The end, so our foundation, 
what we are building upon is an accurate one. The church, which is the body of Christ, you and I, God's people, not a building, needs to know God's conclusion, the end. So our foundation, what we are building upon, is an accurate one. So God sends his church, apostles and prophets, to declare this end picture. If we don't know the end, then how do we run accurately? There's a great chance we will have a false start or even stop running because we think we have finished already. Yep. If we don't know the end, then how will we run accurately? There's a great chance we will have a false start or even stop running because we think we have finished already. Do you know that that is a reality that's happening? See, when you think it's just about reaching lost people, you stop pretty much because you go to find lost people that need to be saved. But God never said go find lost people. He said, I seek and save lost people. You love me, love people, and I'll use you as light to attract lost people. This is so fine and yet in a living reality miles apart. That's where the deception is. Greg, are you saying you're not into lost people? I love lost people. I was one. But what I've come to realize is that God seeks and saves lost people. It's his purpose to reach the lost. I've been given the ministry of reconciliation, so I share with lost people, but it's not my job to save lost people. The purpose of God is to love God with all my heart, make sure there are no idols in my life, no other lovers, so I'm not committing spiritual adultery. So when I stand before him and I've come in the right way, so I'm now doing righteous acts, faith works, I get a good reward. You see, God says, can you love people like me? You're running around trying to seek lost people. Can you love like me? Is the church known for love? Because it's love God, love people. See, loving people's hard. So we bypass it. And we make it all about lost people. But we don't really love them the way we're supposed to either because we don't love God because we've bypassed. <laughs> now, I'm not saying if you've come into that commandment, fill your boots. And get out, you'll be loving people, you'll be in rest, you'll be in faith, you'll be in the truth. You won't be burning out, running around, oh man, I'm lost, we're reaching lost people, so tired. Jesus never lived like that and he was into reaching lost people. See, what happens is the enemy is beautiful and our flesh at switching the cards and you don't even see it. He's the master poker player, he shifts one on you. It's a sleight of hand. Ah, because it's appealing to the flesh. We're going to go save some lost people. We're going to be heroes. (laughs) Go be a hero for Jesus. We teach this stuff. We pump it out. 
And there's a yes and there's a no. Jesus was a servant. He wasn't a hero. But we sing songs, he's my superhero. So yes, he is my hero. Paul is my hero. But not in the way that the flesh looks at it. And it's crafty and his schemes get us astray. He says, love me. Go read 1 John, all of it. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. You will be absolutely gobsmacked with what's there and the reality that's declared for you. Because he says, if you love me, then my love is being perfected in you, which means you'll live as I live. Which means it's no longer hard to love people because the love in you is me. It wasn't hard for Jesus to love people. He laid his life down for people. Why? Because he had the substance of his Father in him. When you have the substance of love in you, it's no longer hard. The reason it's hard is because you're still living and you need more of him to be able to fulfill that commandment. The great commandment we could stop and just preach. You could say to me, what's the purpose of God? I'd just say, love him. That can't be enough. Here it is. If you come into that through the power of the Holy Spirit, he'll unveil everything else. Make sure you start in the right place. Start. Leads an accurate finish. Guys, he keeps it so simple. Out of the 613 laws, what is the most important to you? Why? Because of what I have in mind. See, we've got to capture this again through the Spirit. He said to the religious teacher when he was asked that question, he said, you've answered wisely intelligently you're not far from the kingdom of God it's easy to answer the question intellectually and still not be far from entering into the kingdom you can give the right answer but are you living the right way that's how you know you're in truth doesn't matter what you say it's how you live are we the demonstration of God on the earth or not? Are we becoming the demonstration of God on the earth? Or do we just know how to answer questions? Can you hear what I'm saying? Because that's what he said. The whole question in Mark 12, 28 to 34 is around what is the greatest commandment? And then they repeat it back to one another. He says, you are right that the greatest commandment is to love God. And he quotes Deuteronomy. And then Jesus says, you have answered intelligently, wisely. You're not far from the kingdom of God. Where is the kingdom of God again? You haven't yet entered into the kingdom because you've got to be born of the Spirit and continue to live in the Spirit if you want to enter into the fullness of the end, for this is a spiritual marriage covenant, not a physical one. I'm going to marry my bride. So the apostle comes, the prophet comes, and they keep saying the same thing. And that's a bit annoying. But they say it until they see it. 
because they can see it and they know it when they see it. Why? Because they've entered into it. You have to have a reference point for the truth to be able to speak the truth. Otherwise, you're just speaking nice words and they are powerless and empty and there's too much of that that goes on in the church. It's theory-based truth. It's not revealed truth, so it lacks power. But powerful truth scares the pants off us if we hear it wrong. But if we hear it right, it brings life. So it's no longer hard. It becomes easy. My burdens are not they say they're hard? He said they're light and easy. <laughs> um, that comment about the running, 2 Timothy 2, also if, any, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. Gift. Salvation is a gift in the sense of justified state. Reward is a prize. Work out your salvation. I want to partner with you. I'm going to do the work through your surrender. So an athlete in the natural runs according to the rules, otherwise they have a false start. What happens in a race if you start in a false start? Disqualify from the prize. What if you don't know you've started and it's a wrong false start. So the gun goes, you're off. And you're so quick, you're out the blocks, and you don't hear the, hey, false start, and you're gone. And you run your whole life a false start to get to the end of the New York Marathon to go, where's my prize? And they go, sorry, you missed the call. It was a false start because you weren't running in alignment to the end. What if you start in the wrong place? It's a false start. So have we started knowing the end from the beginning? No, I didn't. But that's okay because God's going to come and he's going to send apostles and prophets and he's going to send his son, he's going to send Jesus and he's going to speak a message to go, hey guys, you're slightly off center. You're two degrees off. But if you stay two degrees off, you end miles off at the end. So I have to send you people to bring you back. They were probably off as well. And while they were running off course, I got hold of them. I'm preaching to myself. But I know that day, and I know my heart, and I know I was open, hungry. Why? Because it's about him, not me. I'm going to read you a word that I was given from Ezekiel and this word has defined quite a lot of knowing and having it confirmed the gift of my life while at the same time I know when I got it I didn't have a clue what it was about and uh, I don't know if Simon actually knows this but I was with Simon about three years ago in and not in Ruby's in um, Q Cafe and <laughs> It's going to be a bit embarrassing because we were talking and as he was talking to me and I was listening, God started speaking. <laughs> I can multitask. 
I am one of the rear males that can multitask. <laughs> so he's... <laughs> She'll tell you the truth. What were you saying? Oh, I think you were whining about something. <laughs> I think he was trying to... Com- yeah, that's right. Do you know what you're doing? <laughs> but as Simon's talking, the Holy Spirit starts speaking to me. Clear as... And I heard this. Go back and read Ezekiel with the new knowledge you now have. See, I got this word six months as a follower of Jesus by Graham Marchant. Who knows Graham Marchant here? He's not here anymore, but Graham's still working. I've met up with Graham numerous times. He gave me this message six months into being a follower. I had no understanding. In fact, I thought the context was completely around going to reach lost people. And the Holy Spirit, through our conversation, started speaking and said, go back and read now with new eyes. And I say this just to share this with you, that this is a reality that's going on in all of us. Okay, Ezekiel 3.11. Ezekiel 3 is all about Ezekiel's commission. Okay, So Ezekiel 3, sorry, no, uh, 4. Ezekiel 3 verse 4. Then he said to me, son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. For you are not being sent to a people of unintelligent speech or difficult language, but to the house of Israel, nor to many peoples of unintelligent speech or difficult language whose words you cannot understand. But I have sent you to them who should listen to you. Sorry, but I have sent you to them who should listen to you, yet the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you since they are not willing to listen to me. Surely the whole house of Israel is stubborn and obstinate. Behold, I have made your face as hard as their faces and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. Like emery harder than flint, I have made your forehead. That's a pretty hard head. Do not be afraid of them or be dismayed before them, though they are a rebellious house. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, take into your heart all my words which I will speak to you and listen closely. Go to the exiles, to the sons of your people, and speak to them and tell them whether they listen or not. Thus says the Lord God. We are Israel in the sense of the church. Go read scriptures. There's a spiritual reality to be discovered. The commonwealth of Israel talks about now you're coming into this people of one that I'm grafting you into a people of one people a royal priesthood this does not undermine those Jewish people that are going to come in has nothing to do with that but God is not looking for two people he's looking for one this challenges us to the core God is not the God of two he's the God of one five gifts it's really Christ three gods it's really one not two people that remain two people, it's one. We have to capture this through revelation. The scriptures are there. Go have a look at them in Galatians. Paul specifically, specifically, intentionally talks about Israel, God's people. You know what Israel actually means? The one who wrestles with God. Now, I'm not, please hear me, I'm not saying that there is Jewish people that are going to come in, but we've very much separated it out. And through the Spirit, he's looking for one people. 
I come looking for the house of Israel, of the promise of Abraham. It's one people. The woman who was caught, sorry, the Canaanite woman who came in Matthew 15, sinner, wretched, disgusting, they all tried to send her away. What did she have? Faith to see. Everyone sends her away. Even Jesus doesn't want to know she's even there. But she has faith to see. What does she know? She knows she's of the daughter of Abraham. Abraham is father of, live by, in who? Christ. What did he come for? The whole. See, this messes with us because we lack sight. And so we see two. Please hear me again because I know this can be confusing. I'm not saying that there are Jewish people that are going to still come in in the tribulation. What I am saying is that when God brings us together, he's bringing us together as one. There is no Jew or Gentile. One. Not of flesh, spirit. What for? He's not marrying two brides. That's called adultery. Think about it. He's the God of one, but he marries two women. He says to you, Greg, if you take two women, that's adultery. He's marrying one. People of the Spirit. It has always been his plan from the beginning to the end, from the end to the beginning. It's just whether we can see what is written not because we're trying to study it through the intellect, but the Holy Spirit is bringing us into it. You'll never understand what I said and try and never learn it through your intellect. You'll get entangled up, and that's what's happened. Ask the Spirit of God to reveal it. The word apostle is the Greek word apostolos, which means sent one. They are sent to God's people firstly to declare the whole purpose of God's plan of salvation for mankind. They are sent to God's people firstly to declare the whole purpose of God's plan of salvation for mankind. So Moses was sent to the Israelites before being sent to Pharaoh. Do you know that? Uh, we were up to? Okay. They are sent to God's people firstly to declare the whole purpose of God's plan of salvation for mankind. Okay, So salvation is not just accept the blood. Salvation is he wants to save your spirit, soul, body. Thessalonians. He wants to bring the mature person and build. It's not just this Wash me of my sin. It's renew my entire being. That's what salvation is. It's a process. It's not an event. We've made it an event. Justification, sanctification, glorification. God takes care of one and three. In the middle is where he says, walk with me and one another, and we're going to do a work in you. Okay, so that's the salvation process. The gospel is the power unto salvation. 
the continuous feeding on the word of God, the gospel, not the words of the gospel, the gospel, Jesus himself, eat that will work you up in your salvation out. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. If it's all done, why does he say work it out? If it's all done, why is there a judgment seat? It makes no sense if it's complete and done. Now, it is complete. Now, come into the completed work. Can you hear what I'm saying? It's complete in the spirit realm. It's complete there. If you eat from that, the realization of what will be yours, and then you'll be matured. But if there is, I say to people, people go, oh, because it's, it's, you hear it through fear. I'm not good enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. That is fear. You belong. But he wants to grow you up. So if you hear that, there is no condemnation in Christ. So if you're hearing that, you're hearing through the flesh. You're hearing through you. Because there is no condemnation in Christ. But we need to know the truth because the truth sets the captive free. But the truth can repel you. Yes? So why is there a judgment seat for the church if it's all done? Why doesn't he zap us now? Because it's not all done, because it's a judgment for reward to see how you lived. Did you live a surrendered life? Did you come into my life? Did you love people, love me, do my will? And that doesn't mean just turning up on a Sunday. Anyone can do that. Anyone can act from their flesh. Anyone can serve God from their flesh. Anyone can look good and not be godly. I'm not saying you're not justified by his blood. I'm saying you're still not going to be able to live out what he has for you. So when the pressure comes on and the test comes on and God tests your faith through a trial, he's doing it to show you if you're actually being built or not. It's not to harm you. It's to show you, oh, you know what? You've been with me five years and there's not a lot of building going on. Because that's not the fruit of my spirit. That's the flesh deeds. So if anger comes out of you, there's a bit of work that needs to be done because that's not a fruit of the spirit. If you can't control yourself, then that's a fleshly work. The spirit controls you. Can you hear? We can turn up here, we can gather, we can write notes, we can do all the stuff that good Christians do. doesn't mean anything. If his power, his truth is not entering into you and changing you so you live differently. Paul said, man, I don't even live for myself anymore. What's that position? I don't even know what that is. I'm so beyond that place of letting go, which, guys, is the basics. It's the basics of Christianity that you don't live for yourself. See, if we're still living for self, we probably haven't received the gospel. Can I say that? The gospel sets the captive free. You've probably heard words, but you haven't heard the word, the gospel, in power, spirit, which creates a conviction, which creates change, which means you live differently. I don't say it to hurt you. I say it to bring you into life because if you're living 10 years and you're not demonstrating something, wouldn't you want to know if it was for you to be able to live? Wouldn't you want to know, God, could I experience a joy that's not about emotion? Are you really telling me, Greg, that I can experience a joy and it's got nothing to do with emotions? For the joy set before him, he went across. It was a bad day. Emotionally, the day sucked. 
He's not living on his emotions, even though we are emotional beings. He's living beyond this stuff. Is it possible to have a peace that guards my heart and my mind, be anxious for nothing when stuff happens? Yes. Wouldn't you want to know it was possible if it was? Yes. That's a great answer. So God sends apostles and prophets to declare the will of God. It says all things are possible. So he sends Moses to the Israelites first, not Pharaoh. You know when he says be strong and courageous? It's got nothing to do with going to Pharaoh first. Go read Deuteronomy before Joshua. Sorry, sorry, I'm getting them confused. Same thing though. Okay. He says, so Moses goes to the Israelites. You're telling me to go and say that I am sent you. They know who I am is. They've got a track record of Moses. Okay. He started a bit rough when he came out of Egypt. Why? Because he was learnt from Egypt. So he kills a guy. He runs away. 40 years, 40 years in the wilderness. Preparation, it's called. 40 years and he's ready. And then his first assignment is to go back to the people of Israel and then stand before them and say, um, um, uh, yeah, uh, can you bear with me in a little foolishness? Um, yeah, um, are you sure? Are you really sure? You know, cause I, I, uh, you know, Acts said he was a man of power, word, and deed. So what happened to the man of power and deed out of Acts 7? Because the man's a bumbling idiot now. Because what he's about to say, he's about to say, I am sent me. <laughs> to a bunch of people who know exactly who I am, and they look at Moses and go, who do you think you are? Plonker. You've been with the sheep, man. It's the most disgusting employment for a Jew to be a shepherd. Out there in the flocks in the wilderness, and you're telling us that I am sent you. Ah, uh, yeah. Will you listen? I'd rather not be here. He's saying, I'd rather probably go back to the sheep. <laughs> you know what? Then I got a Pharaoh. But you know what's more scarier? Coming before the people and declaring. Something that's for them. And hoping they don't kill you. At best. They might walk away from you. Or put their head in the sand and hope it all goes away. Same with Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Now we think, like I did, maybe you don't. That starts in Joshua 1.4. Starts in Deuteronomy 28. You know what he says? He says, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Why is that? Because the people, your people, are already scheming to be go away from me when they get into the promised land. They're already making up plans to walk away from you and me in the promised land, the land that I've promised them they're going to live for themselves. So son, be strong and courageous. God prepares us. For what he calls us for. He empowers us. For what he calls us into. Doesn't make it easy. Doesn't make you got to step right out there. 
and say, this is how it is. And yet, they're sent for the building up of the church. They're a helper, not an enemy. So why does the church at times treat them like an enemy? You know why? That's a great answer, because we don't know God, and we don't have ears to hear. And so there's a way that seems right to us, but it ends in death. So we don't receive, and he said, I've sent you to build the church. So if you're not receiving, if you're not receiving the gift that God's given you, it means you're not opening up, you're not experiencing it, is that right? You're not enjoying the reality of what it was for. It's simple. So he sends Moses. Jesus was sent. This is in your notes. Peter was sent. Paul was sent. So all those blanks are sent. The apostle, the prophet are sent. Called by God to do the will of God. Not chosen by man, but sent from above. I'm just freewheeling. This isn't in your notes. I'm gonna read I'm gonna read this real fast. Ephesians three, one to twenty one. Encourage you, go home, eat this, drink it, eat it, drink it, eat it, drink it, eat it. Paul's stewardship. For this reason I Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. He's a prisoner. He's in chains for Christ, not living for himself, for the Gentiles. What an incredible man. If indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you. So I'm a prisoner for Christ if you've heard of the grace given to me by God. If you haven't heard, you probably don't know he's saying who I am. In fact, you're probably going to think I'm a false apostle like they did. That by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief. How did he get the mystery? Revelation. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. You now can understand, what does he say? The insight, sight from within. I pray the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, Ephesians 1.18. Why? Because the insight that I have through revelation, I'm declaring something. You can't declare what you don't have. You can't speak or you shouldn't be speaking of what's not been revealed. Because how do you know it's him? But we do. So he's saying by the revelation that was made known to me, the mystery, I have insight into the mystery of Christ which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. How? In the Spirit. Who to? Apostles and prophets. This is so clear. It was not made known to the other generations, but now you, this generation, we're talking thousands of years ago, 2,000 years ago, and now us, okay, it's the same truth prophet in the spirit to be specific that the gentiles our fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in christ jesus through the gospel one people 
of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. I hope your mind is connecting to last week's notes. Okay? If it's not, go back and have a look at last week's notes because they're all connecting in. Grace was given. He's saying grace is given to me. In accordance to what? His own strength? No, the power of God. The working of his power, God's power, was given to me a grace. What for? To preach the good news to the building up of the church. Yes? Tracking with me? Okay. To me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. So that, so here's this reality that he's been revealed, he's declaring, he's telling everybody there's a grace put on his life for the purpose of letting everybody know this mystery. Why? So that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Therefore I ask you to not lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf for they are your glory. This man lived his life for the church. For this reason, 14, okay, so you've got to get that and go, this is huge. Then he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, the Ephesian church, according to the riches of his glory, he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. So that, there's that word again, Christ may dwell, inhabit, reside, live permanently in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love. Is your root system love? Rooted and grounded in God, because God is love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth? I want to stop there. What I found really interesting when I switched from the NIV to the NASB because the Father told me to, and I was reading this and I was going, oh, yeah, the height and the breadth and the depth of the love of God. Well, the NASB doesn't say that. It stopped. Verse 19 says, and to know the love of Christ. So it says this, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of God. There's an and. It doesn't say the depth to know the love of God, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to all the fullness of God. So I said, God, oh, that's weird because I just filled in the blank because I'm used to the NIV. He said, go have a look in the footnotes. And you go to verse 8, and it says, to bring to light the administration. 
how wide, how high, how deep is the administration to bring to light the riches of the fullness of God and to know the love of God. I was like, what? What? Meaning God's purpose. How does God build? You see, Paul is revealed a mystery. What is the mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay? Now we reel that off as if it's a nice hymn. How is that changing you? Think about it. It's been hidden. Christ in you is the hope of glory. The Bible says that the God of hope wants to fill you with all hope. How much hope is living in you right now? See, there is a reality, guys, to fight for. When I say fight for, I don't mean physically. I mean seeking, actively pursuing, and asking for the fullness of God. So Christ in you is the hope of glory. This is the mystery the man has revealed where? In himself. He saw on a journey. He then gets filled, smashed, when Ananias comes with the baptism of what? Love, power. He's like, Oh my goodness, what is this happening in me? I once was this, and compared to what I was, this is but rubbish to a reality I'm now in. It wasn't this, oh yeah, I became a Christian. and Yeah, whatever, life stays the same. <clears throat> Christ in you and I is his hope, the hope of glory. See, the problem is, We don't have a reference for it. So he has to send people who have references for it. So you can have a reference for it. If all the wisdom of treasure and knowledge is contained in Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ lives in you, are you living from wisdom? Or are you living from your wisdom? We've got to be arrested by what I'm saying. It's to stop you in your tracks, get you on your knees, and fast and pray like you never have before. That's what the truth is supposed to do. Where's Paul? On his knees. Why is the man on his knees? How can he do that? Because he's received it. See, you need to be praying into what you're looking at. Otherwise, it can just be prayer that's going out, but it's not attached to a target. See, the man is praying in an alignment to what he can see. Christ in you, Christ maturing in you, is a maturing Christ bride, yes? The end is a marriage covenant. The end is a marriage to a mature church. 
Galatians 4.19. Who can tell me what it says? I am in labor again until Christ is formed in you. Why? Because the Galatians were going back under the law. They were going back under the flesh the way they used to live. He said, who's hoodwinked you? Who's come in and beseeched you or bewitched you of what was? How come you come in the right way and now you're living by the flesh again? Man, I'm in labor again. I'm laying my life down again. I'm trying to birth something again for you. Not for himself. See, when you're full, you don't think about yourself. You're full of Christ. Self goes whoop. You can't have two. It's either him or you. And the more you're in Christ being formed, less of you. Yeah? So then you live that out. You don't look for your interests of yourself. You don't think about yourself first. You don't think, oh, what's that going to cost me? You've already paid. You've already said, I'm in boots and all. There's no negotiation on the table when Christ in you, the hope of glory, is being formed, not just this, oh, yeah, I prayed a prayer and the Spirit came on me and it was a good buzz. I'm not knocking that. Please hear me, but I'm talking about a full, mature, what were the purpose of the fivefold? Who can tell me what the four things were? Unity of the faith, mature bride of Christ, the knowledge of God. If you've got the wisdom of God in you, the power of God in you, you think it's coming out of you? Do you think he did that for you just so you can bottle up inside? No, he wants his glory spread into the earth. How's it going to happen? Through the manifold wisdom of God. The manifold wisdom of God, where is it? In the church. Well, is it? Is it? I've been looking going, come on, preaching, come on. I want to see the manifold wisdom. I want to see everyone jumping up, preaching, laying hands on people, doing the thing, loving everybody. The manifold wisdom of God, Christ in you, the hope of glory will come out of you. And this will be a radiant church that love we will, man, it's full on. It's not this piddly little, what about me? I'm, can you hear me? I'm not meant to be knocking that, but it's like we, I've got to, We've got to wake up. There's a reality. Christ in you is the mystery, the manifold, the administration that he also saw was the fivefold gifts. Who wrote it? Who wrote the book? What's the purpose of Ephesians? Eternal purpose. It's the main theme. So the man that was given it wrote it. Why? Because he came into it. Yet he wasn't. He was Saul under the law, under Gamaliel. He was lost until before he was, before the beginning of time. The Bible says Galatians 1.15, he was called for this time. Before I was even in my mother's womb, he says, I was chosen for this day, for this time to bring to light the mystery of the bride of Christ. Christ in you is your preparation, the formation of Christ for your bride. For your wedding? <laughs> God is amazing. Whew. I think we've had enough, eh? There's heaps more notes. The scriptures. Um, but what we'll do is we'll just fill in the blanks, okay? We'll do that. So on page seven, uh, 
just you got one, two, three, four. The literal life of Jesus Christ revealed and formed in us is the main message Paul was given to share with the Gentiles, kings, and Israel. The literal life of Jesus Christ revealed and formed in us is the main message Paul was given to share with the Gentiles, the kings of Israel, kings in Israel, Acts 9, 15, 16, Galatians 4, 19, and labor again. Colossians 1 to 24 is that particular passage where it talks about, I'm going to read it, now I rejoice, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do share on behalf of his body, which is the church, and filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God, that is, the mystery which has been hidden from past ages and generations, but has now been made manifest, manifested to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. Have you seen that passage before? Have you gained understanding from it? He's admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom. Jesus Christ is wisdom. So that we may present every man complete in Christ. Manifested to his saints. What have these passages and the statement above got to do with God's end purpose? It's the bridal preparation message. God is looking for a mature bride for his son. Not an immature one. This is not a heaven or hell message. You're a son. It's just whether we're going to be mature sons or we're going to stay immature sons. And then in Philippians... I love it, eh? The title says, The Goal of Life. And Paul then shares with you, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me, as it is a safeguard for you. If you're wondering why Greg speaks the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over differently, it's because it's a safeguard for you and me. Same, same, but different. Paul did exactly the same thing. It's the pattern. Jesus said the same thing. The kingdom's like this, 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 like this. He said the same thing. He repeated himself until it hit. And he sent the Spirit of God. 
And he did the same thing. The Spirit of God is going to lead us into all truth. See the pattern, then he sends apostles and prophets. And they repeat the message. It's not new. It just gets lost. Why? Because man takes over. And then you read this, and you know that word perfect? Listen to this. This is Paul talking about how life before Christ is rubbish. Come to know him. He says, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. Man. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. It's clear as crystal. For many walk of whom I often told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, little g, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity, glorification, with the body of his glory, by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things unto himself. If the Apostle Paul was pressing on and would say words like, I'm not perfect yet, and then would say this, guys, imitate me as I imitate the Christ. Be apostolic in your heart. Be apostolic in your thinking. Don't look behind. Don't look at the last so many years as a waste. Nothing is wasted in God. It has all been working to this point today because you have a reference point for something that you didn't have before. How do you know what you don't have if you haven't experienced something? You know, you don't know food can be better until you've eaten that food. You and I were born destined, predestined to be his bride. To love him with your entire being, to fall in love with him. Not a person, not a dog, not money, not a job, him. He is enough. He really is enough. You don't need, in the sense of anyone else, here. 
I need you. We need one another, the gifts to walk together. But if I need Danielle and she needs me to survive, what happens if she dies? What happens if she doesn't meet my standard of what I've set for her to meet? How do I love her? How does she love me when my behavior doesn't meet her expectation? You know what? I can't. He says, do not entrust yourself to man. Do not do it, for he knew what was in man. He knows the potential of every one of us to turn. He knows my potential to turn and go flag it. It's just all too hard. So why would you put your trust in me when I can let you down? Don't look to me. Don't look to the eldership. Look to God. Trust me, but don't put your trust in me. Put your trust in Christ. So if I ever stuffed up, you could actually restore me and not judge me and condemn me. And I'll do the same for you. Because love covers a multitude of sin. Because love can. Because I've fallen in love. See, because you fall in love, you can model love. But you can't model what you don't have. So he said, Christ in you is the greatest mystery known to mankind. Not a drop, an ocean. I'm here, Paul's saying, until this work is formed in you. Because there were people, because he keeps using this word, us. He says, imitate us. He's not talking to everybody because... To the Corinthians, he says, I can't even share with you what I want to share with you because you're still immature. Then he goes to the Philippians and he says things to them. Then he goes to the, the uh, Colossians and he says things to them. So there's this us. He can see the us that are imitating him. And he can see the us or the people that aren't. And the people that aren't are to come into what is so then they can all be one. We want to go where it's all us. <laughs> See, we claim stuff because it's scary to look at the true state. God wants us all to be able to demonstrate. But there's a work, isn't there? So he sends gifts to see the work done. We say we have the mind of Christ. And then we have insecurity issues. Those two things don't go hand in hand. Okay? I'm not saying this to offend. I'm saying this to realize that we are to come into If he says be anxious for nothing, he means it. He's going, you can have the mind of Christ. You have the potential to have the mind of Christ. The more Christ is formed in you, if you have the mind of Christ, why would he say you need to renew your mind? Does that make any sense to you and me? So, the seed of God lives in us, the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit wants to bring you and I to the fullness of what already is. So then we actually have the reality of thinking like Christ. Yes?
So I'd say it like this, however you want to say it. We all have the potential, because it is, to be realized what already is. So when he washes us, you're holy and blameless, now he says now, through the process of sanctification and righteousness, step into what is. So you are fulfilling what already is. It makes no sense to me because there's no fear in God. Would that be fear? So if fear is not of God and we're in fear, then it's because the mind is thinking wrong things, which is not the mind of Christ, it's the mind of man. So God wants to come through his word and his power and transform that mindset so fear goes because I'm not the God of fear. Fear comes because of flesh. And because we're worried about ourselves, we're afraid because we think of loss. So it's what am I going to lose? And all of a sudden we start worrying and fear grips us. But he says, that's not of me. That's of your flesh. So there's still work to be done. Yeah? See, he gives you jealousy. What's that? What's that? That's flesh that still needs to be sanctified by truth, even though you are holy and blameless before me. It's a bit trippy, isn't it? It is a bit trippy. Holy and blameless, then walk it out. It's a complete work, but it needs to be completed. You're saved, being saved, going to be saved. Can you hear that? Because once again, if it was a full work, then it wouldn't be hard. We'd be able to do everything he asked because the work's been done. And that is what he's doing. He's doing the work to us who surrender to it, and he sends gifts for the work to be established in our hearts and our minds. Because when you see the end... You see the purpose for why you'd want to let go. See, if you can see you've been invited to spend your eternity with the one who created all things and be this close, as Revelation 22 says, where you will see his face. No one has seen the Lord's face and lived. See his face. Have his name written on your forehead and you will serve the Lord. Go read it. It's a promise for bond servants. Who are bond servants? Overcomers. Who are overcomers? Mature sons. Who are mature sons? His bride. Who's his bride? The body of Christ. Multiple imagery painted throughout his living word to capture you. If you don't get the bride, I'll get you at sons. If you don't get sons, I'll get you at nation. If you don't get nations, I'll get you overcomer. They're like little bear traps. God, what was that? Gotcha. Now that I've got you for five minutes, let me talk to you about my plans. I'm trying to get out of the bear trap. Wow, that's a pain in the thing. This thing, wow, what a stop me living for me. Yeah, that's right. Because I just want five minutes to share the end 
before you start. I want to share with you, Mary. Come and sit with me at my feet. For she did the one thing that was right. But her sister was worried about many things. She's running around and Jesus is in the house saying, Hey, Martha, come and sit here. Nah, too busy. I didn't order the sandwiches that you're making, Jesus said. Yeah, nah, too busy. I'm sure you want them. Come and do the one thing that your sister is doing. When you sit at his feet, he talks. He reveals. He longs to. He longs to share his plans with his people. But while we're running all over the place, busy with our lives, it's very hard to hear. And he waits. Sometimes he trips you up intentionally to stop you. Smack! Oh, what was that? Must have been the devil. No, it was God. Did the Jonah. (laughs) Here's the scary thing. If you stop, when you're not in him, you're anxious about many things. What about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? Be still and know I am. But see, when you be still, you start to get exposed. So you keep busy to cover up what you don't want him to know, which he already knows. (laughs) And you certainly don't want anyone else to know, even though he sent you them to walk with you, that you could actually be honest. and, And so you hide in the dark. But when you're in the dark, you're not in the light. Even though you're in his shadow, the light's not shining Because you're hiding. So he sends his people, which we all are, to speak, to say, come out. It's okay. Because we're all for one another. We're not against one another. And it's okay to sit at his feet and allow the God of love to love on you in that state until he loves you into rest. And loves you into peace. Loves you into joy. Because you've allowed love to overcome fear. Amen. So Father I want to thank you for tonight. I thank you for the work you're doing here. In our hearts and our minds. Lord I know it's a deep work. It's a deep deep work. Where you are unanchoring us from foundations that are not of you and bringing us into your foundations so we can live out your conclusion. I thank you that you're taking the time to teach us, Holy Spirit. I thank you that you care enough to stop here at number four, Naronga Gorge, in Wellington, to a people called the Rock Family, and that you wait here patiently for us. And you wait, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait. 
And I pray, Lord, we would turn. I pray, Holy Spirit, that we would turn tonight and be found at your feet and allowing you and asking you and our walls would come down like we sang this morning and that you would, because it's your heart and I know you will, you'll reveal yourself and the depth and the riches of who you are sets the captive free. For the truth, which is you, Lord, have come to set us ablaze. So may we be found in you. May we be found abiding in you. So love is being perfected in us, which enables us to walk in the manner to which you walked, which is love and power and an abundance of life. Father, we ask these things in accordance to your will tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen.